God has promised that all these other things will be added to you as side benefits in God's marvelous provision. The scripture promises to all of us, he is able to give us what we need. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Do you live as though God will provide all that you need? One of the great prophets, Elijah, lived out his faith knowing and trusting that God would provide just what he needed at the exact time he needed it. Here's David with the next installment of his provision series in a message called Generosity. I want now to read to you a couple of verses that we are basing the series of provision on. First of all, from Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it's a powerful verse. Paul is in prison. There's no sense of God supplying his provision for him, uh, yet some people from the Philippian church come and give him a generous monetary offering, and he writes these words, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God makes a promise here that he will provide every single need we may have according to Jesus' riches in heaven. That's a wonderful promise. Also, Matthew 6, we looked at this verse last week. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I joked with you, those things, as we say in the South, are food, clothing, shelter, the basic needs that we have, like Philippians 4.19. And Jesus says, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God, if you'll seek first God himself, God has promised that all these other things will be added to you as side benefits in God's marvelous provision. Now, we looked at Abraham as an example of how God provided for one of his great people of faith. So how Abraham went up on Mount Moriah with his son Isaac, and God did not allow Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, but he provided a ram instead. And God's name is given to us at the end of Genesis 22, verse 14. Jehovah Jireh, God is the one who provides the ram. God is the provider. So we see in Abraham's great faith, his willingness to obey God in every possible way, God provides for him his very need that he has at that moment. Today we want to look at a second great biblical figure named Elijah. He's the great prophet of the Old Testament. In fact, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus goes up there with Peter, James, and John, there is a beautiful, powerful light that shines upon him, and two people step out of eternity and stay with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, watching this happen. Those two people are Moses, the great lawgiver, and Elijah, the great prophet. So we have the law and the prophets appearing to Jesus, and then a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. It's, it's like, don't listen to Moses, just the lawgiver, and don't listen to Elijah just the great prophet. Listen to Jesus, who is the sole interpretation of all the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. Listen to him. But isn't it interesting, the two people that the Father in heaven allowed, chose to appear with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration are Moses and Elijah. Elijah has a wonderful experience where God provides for him, and it's what I want to share with you today. But before I do, let me give you the context of these verses in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 16. 
Baal, B-A-A-L, is the god that the pagan people of that day worshipped. Though Israel had been founded in a monotheistic sense, worshipping the one true God, over years after Solomon's death, they began to start worshipping the gods of the cultures around them, particularly the god Baal. Baal was the god of fertility. He was in charge of all the rains that would come upon the crops and allow the land to be fertile. For without this fertility, the people simply could not eat. Now, not only was Baal seen as an important god, the god over him, Mot, M-O-T, would sometimes kill Baal and therefore allow there not to be any rains or the deep dews that would come upon the ground from Mount Hermon and other areas, thus giving water to the land and allowing the crops to occur. Well, during these times of drought, the pagan people believed, oh, Mot has just killed Baal. Only then, after some period of time, months, maybe even years, Mott would then resurrect Baal, and then when the rains came, they would give Baal all the credit, so they would start worshiping him again. So into this very pagan environment where principally Baal is being worshiped by all the people, Elijah, a prophet of God, is raised up by him. And all the faithful Israelites, it seemed at that day, were quiet and resistant to speaking out against these pagan deities. I think primarily it's because generally at this time period, these 10 tribes of Israel that had begun to adopt Baal worship were fairly prosperous. Things were going well. Monetarily, they were okay. How can you speak against Baal if monetarily things are generally very good, which is a warning to all of us in our great nation today. Prosperity does not necessarily single out that we are under God's pleasure. Prosperity does not mean that we are necessarily receiving God's blessing. It could be that we are materially prosperous, but inside our hearts are far from God. That's what was going on in the northern kingdom, the ten tribes in Israel during the days of Elijah. He was a courageous man, though in James 5 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago as we concluded our series on the book of James, it alludes to Elijah, the great prophet, and calls him a man with a nature just like ours. Though he was a great man of faith, a very courageous man, he also had times of despondency, despair, and at one point later on in 1 Kings, after a huge confrontation with the powers of that day, Elijah cries out to God and says, just just take me home. Just kill me. I'm tired. So some of us who have gotten to that point in our lives know that Elijah truly does have a human, broken, fallen nature, though he's also filled with great courage. And Elijah is called by God to confront Ahab and his evil wife, Jezebel. I'm sure some of you have heard of that name before. Ahab's wife, Jezebel, was not an Israelite. She was a Phoenician. And she was the one who introduced a large part of the Baal worship into Israel when she married Ahab. In fact, she built an absolutely huge palatial temple for the worship of Baal. She is responsible for a lot of the godlessness of that day. So when God raises up Elijah as this great prophet of God, other people hidden, other people quiet, other people unwilling to challenge Ahab and Jezebel and the political slash religious power structure that day, Ahab, uh, Jezebel, all their other power people, Elijah is unafraid to do so. 
So Elijah steps to the plate within this context, and he realizes Deuteronomy 11.7, where Moses predicted in the law that there would be a time in the future when you Israelites would start to worship the pagan gods of your culture around you. And when you do so, when you worship these gods, something extraordinary is going to happen. God's going to close up the heavens and cause drought to come to you. But Elijah, his name means God is my strength, a man of great courage with a fallen nature too, appears before Ahab, and he basically starts a prayer where he prays that the land will become drought-filled, that there will be no dew on the ground or rain from the sky. And this will be a sign to Ahab and Jezebel that God is God and not Baal. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So by the prayer of Elijah, he says God's going to close off the rain from the sky, the dew from the ground. There'll be no more water. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the book Cherith. It can also be pronounced Kareth which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he... And her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. So here we have a story of Elijah's faith being developed. And as his faith is being developed, God provides for him every single one of his needs, as the scripture promises to all of us who have placed God first and his kingdom first and believe that he is able to give us what we need. The first story is verses 1 through 7. It's Elijah at the brook of Cherith. 
After Elijah spoke to Ahab and said, God's going to close up the heavens, the dew and the water from the ground for three and a half years, God immediately spoke to him and said, go to Cherith and wait there for me. Now, I want to give you two faith principles in these verses with which God deals in Elijah's heart, and I want you to see how they're necessary faith developments before the provision actually comes. First of all, notice that God only gives the next step to Elijah. Often that next step is revealed through impressions in our heart that are consistent with God's word. Uh, Sometimes it's an actual verbal word we hear in our minds and we know it's God speaking to us. Sometimes we're just reading the scripture and something on these pages leaps out at us and we know what God wants us to do. But God gives us impressions and he lets us know what the next step is. But folks, he doesn't usually give more than just the next step. So many of us want to know, well, where is this ultimately going to take us? With Elijah, he didn't know that ultimately he was going to confront the evil prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and eventually thereafter confront Ahab and Jezebel themselves. He didn't know that was ultimately what God had planned. He only knew that God said, go to Cherith. And he just took the next step that God gave him. In Psalm 119, it says, God's word is a lamp to our feet. In in that day, they actually tied lamps to their feet so that when they walked at night, they could see the next step. But notice God said, I'm a lamp to your feet, not a headlight in the night. He gives us just the next step. Why? Because he wants us to develop total faith, total dependence upon him and him alone. And if we know God is leading us, If we know he's the one who's leading us to a place, we can rest assured that as we go to Cherith, we are operating in the perfect will of God. Please hear this. God does give us vision and strength for our lives. Again, Elijah's name means Jehovah is my strength. God is my strength. He gives us his strength, but he usually doesn't give us more than just the next step because he's trying to develop deep and abiding faith within our hearts. And then notice also the value of the hidden life here. God says to Elijah, go to Cherith and there hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Notice the hide yourself. God needed some time alone, one-on-one with Elijah to continue to develop his faith. God did the same thing with King David. Before David ever went to the palace, he had to operate alone in the pastures. It was during those times when David was alone, just with the sheep, that God dealt with his heart and made him a man after God's own heart. If you're going to be serious about your relationship with God, you need to know he will drive you to places where it's just you and him alone. He'll take you into the wilderness where you have to deal with him and him alone. During those wilderness times, during the Cherith times, is when he develops an understanding of who he is and who we are. We all need time alone, not just daily with our quiet times. We need elongated times alone with God when he can drive our hearts deep in him. Dear friends, if you're going to be serious about God, you need to get alone with God, you need to be hidden with God, and you need to hear God in your quiet moments where he infills your heart with the presence and power of his Holy Spirit like never before. Every great saint in the Bible went through times like this. Paul in prison, where he is alone with Christ. During that time, he writes most of the New Testament. John on the island of Patmos, alone, exiled. During this time, he has a revelation from Jesus and writes the entire book of Revelation. 
Jesus himself, out of his tremendous baptism experience, when he's at a high and hears God's voice say, you are my beloved son in whom I well pleased. Right after that in Matthew 4, he's driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where he experiences a face-to-face confrontation with the evil one. His greatest high went to a greatest low where he was alone with God and God alone and he had to do battle with the evil one to prepare him for the ministry of the cross. Very seldom will God give us beyond just the next step. But when he takes us to the brook Cherith and he gives us that next step and we're hidden with him and we're dealing one-on-one with him, rest assured, he will provide for you. That's when the provision came to Elijah. And notice how God provided for him through ravens. Ravens would bring to Elijah every day in the morning and in the evening bread and meat. He would drink the water that would be the source of water for him. And every morning he'd have bread and meat. And in the evening he'd have bread and meat. And what is so interesting is ravens are carrion birds. In other words, they are roadkill birds. They eat off the meat of other dead animals. And yet God used unclean birds who fed off roadkill to bring Elijah good meat a good provision. Dear friends, God can use anything and everything to meet your needs. Sometimes those of us who've been in desperate situations and we feel God providing for us, we're surprised by the avenues God uses to provide for us. God uses ravens, unclean birds, roadkill birds to bring the necessary food for Elijah. The provision was a daily provision, much like God did the Israelites as they wandered through the, Israel, uh, through the wilderness. And every morning, there was manna waiting for them. God provides. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about today's Davidism. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart? Tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and, and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 
298-9027. I would encourage folks too, to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org. And there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you, Jen, and I hope you're doing well. I am doing well. Thank you very much. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism about how everything we have is God's gift to us. I think it's the best way, Jen, to defeat pride. Pride is what made the devil the devil. He envied Jesus' position, wanted it, and when he couldn't get it, he led a rebellion in heaven and took one-third of the angels with him who became his demonic hordes. Pride. It is at the heart of so many of our human issues. So, how do you combat pride? How do you defeat pride? I think one of the very best ways of doing so is to remember that everything we have is a gift from God. Mm. Everything we have is a gift from God. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, Romans 11.29, Paul says that all of God's gifts are irrevocable. You know, he'll never take them back. They are free gifts given to all of us. If you'll just stop and recognize that everything is a gift, gift from God. All I have in life is from Him. The next morsel of food I ingest, the next beat of my heart, the relationships I have, the children that we have, in my instance, the grandchildren that I have, they're all gifts from God. And when you stop and realize that, that everything comes from the hand of a loving Father, why be prideful? Mm-hmm. What do you have to be prideful about? It's all a gift from him. So, therefore, if you recognize that everything we have is a gift from God, then the next part of the Davidism is then what we do with that gift is our gift to God. Hmm. If everything comes from God as a gift, then what we do with that gift is our gift back to him. And so, if all of God's gifts are irrevocable, Romans eleven twenty nine again, then we need to use those gifts for his glory and his glory alone. So, every one of us needs to identify all the gifts God's given us especially those specific personality and human gifts that we have, Mm. and then use them for God's glory and Mm. always make sure that whatever we succeed in life, we point to God and say, it all comes from Him anyway. Mm -hmm. Everything I've been able to do is a gift from my Holy Father. I love this. And one of the marking points in my life of recognizing that my time at home with my children as a stay-at-home mom was a gift, it took me 12 years into the journey of being a stay-at-home mom to recognize what a gift it was because I didn't grow up mm. with a stay-at-home mom or dad. And 12 years in, I just, my heart turned inside out and I just thanked the Lord for this gift. Yeah, and you gave your children a wonderful gift that they'll always cherish. And mm. that is a relationship with time with their mom, which is, again, such a wonderful gift that you gave your uh, your kids, Jen. Thank you for doing so. Yeah, and it changed my perspective, all that to say. Yeah, yeah. and it will. So everyone, identify the gifts that God has given you and then use them for the glory of God. Corey Ten Boom, mm-hmm. the famous saint who went through the Holocaust experience, came out alive, fortunately, wrote many books, became a nationally known speaker, even internationally known. And she was asked the question, question, well, how do you handle it when people give you praise? She said, well, I look at it like receiving a rose. I smell it, enjoy it for the moment, then give it to God. Hmm. So when you succeed with the gifts you have, enjoy the success, but realize again that it is God's gift to you. Smell it for the moment, 
take pleasure in it, but give it back to God because everything comes from Him. This is so good. Thank you so much for your thoughts today, David. Thank you, Jen. And everyone, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there to my daily Davidisms, as we affectionately call them. They're from my heart to yours in written form arriving in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's a way for me to help you begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for the church leaders in our city 